You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings, and welcome back to another episode of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. This one is a doozy. I spent so much time researching, writing, formulating, ideating, mood boarding for this entry specifically. It's first living as a blog on my website, but I wanted to record in podcast format as well because I know some of you guys are audio learners and this will really help paint the picture for you as you're driving, working out, walking your dog, doing all those things. So without further ado, I'm going to get into four different trends that I anticipate being wildly popular in 2024 and then where you might see it. So first I'll kind of explain the theme and where it comes from and its context in like broader art history and culture And then I'll cover how the trend is going to show up in branding and design, photo and video, fashion and culture. And then I'll also tell you like some fashion and culture things that are going on to be aware of, as well as brands that already do this really well and brands that should do this very soon. So again, the recipe, branding and design, photo and video, fashion and culture, brands that do it well and brands that should hop on these trends soon. Of course, if you want to work with us to bring any of these trends to life in your own brand, please feel free to do so. mkwcreative.co slash contact. You can submit all your project details there. We'd love to work with you in 2024. But without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so in order to set the stage here and really start to understand how you can predict trends, it's all about understanding, first and foremost, popular culture. Secondly, art history. And third, just being a good consumer of all things internet content. So throughout the year, I've been saving in my Instagram and on TikTok videos of things that I find to be interesting or like visually compelling. And when I sat down to actually write out all of these thoughts, I basically went through my saved folders and tried to find consistent themes. So understanding, obviously, like editing, color, typography, all the things that make up good branding, right? Like logos, everything like this helps me a little bit because I can start to name the aesthetics and the trends that I'm seeing. But then it's also the idea of paying attention to when trend cycles happen. So usually things get deemed as trendy on almost a, I'd say like a 15 to 30 year cycle. What that means is because the younger generation that didn't grow up with that visual style is now looking back to that style and it's new to them. So what might be nostalgic to older people is now new to a younger generation, which is how things end up back in the trend cycle. So think about this with fashion, with music, with art, culture, etc. Also being generally aware of things that are happening in popular culture, news, events, celebrities, the arts, is going to help inform trends as well. A lot of times we see trends as being a rebellion against something that already isn't working or against something that's overplayed or as people like to say on TikTok, like chooky. So trendy usually is the antithesis to what's now considered chooky. So to get us to this 2024 trend cycle, again, I went back all the way through all my saved posts, all the things that's inspiring me, created Pinterest boards. I actually did link the Pinterest board with all the pins in it in the blog article. So you can go check that out, mkwcreative.co slash blog. It's going to be the 2024 article. Click on that. It'll take you right to that Pinterest board so you can actually go back and find all those sources. But I want to make sure that we're also being aware of the fact that a trend doesn't necessarily mean that it's for your brand. 
There's a difference between being trending and being timeless. There's a difference between taking advantage of a trend versus trying to make that trend your whole personality if it's not a good fit for your brand. So in the second half of each of these trend bits I'm going to do, sharing the brands that are doing it well and the brands that should do it soon is going to be really helpful to you because you'll be able to see how those brands have integrated these trends already. Therefore, it's already part of their brand language. They're not just capitalizing on it because it's popular, but it's something that they've already been doing and therefore like kind of blazing the trail for everybody else. So first and foremost, trend number one that I think is going to be everywhere in 2024, cherry, chocolate, and silver. So, so long with the vanilla aesthetic, we're diving all the way into chocolate deliciousness, aka like a cherry Garcia kind of look. So both fashion and art, cherry and chocolate actually speaks to a broader cultural fascination with blending like tart and sweet and sultry. Like if you think of a cherry tattoo, like that classic cherry tattoo, late 90s look to it, that's kind of the image I want you to have in your mind. So the colors on their own, both cherry and chocolate, carry such an individually rich history and symbolism, but together they're creating a combined color palette that's really warm and nostalgic and decadent. It's rich, right? Like rich in every sense of the word. And I think this is such a nice contrast to like the vanilla girl aesthetic, which is so flat and plain and monochromatic and almost like too clean. The cherry chocolate silver aesthetic is way more towards a little bit more of like a grungy, sultry, a little bit more spicy of a vibe than being so like pristine and perfect and bright white. So you might kind of recall this combo from the late 90s, early 2000s. Think of like those overlined lips, the red nail theory, a la girl boss town. There's a way that the browns and the reds have really kind of come back into the trend cycle. And really the last time we saw that was like late 90s, early 2000s. But that was even a recall to the 70s. So brown and 70s are like thick as thieves. You saw a lot of brown in the 1970s as kind of more wood tones came into vogue, a lot of leathers, things like that. This is that same look kind of reimagined for a modern era. So where you'll see it, embracing cherry chocolate silver trend in your brand aesthetic means going more moody, reflective, seductive, but still fruity and sweet. There's like this tartness, femininity to it. It's got like mid-20s energy instead of being like too juvenile or too adult. In branding and design, this will mean a lot of color palettes will shift from that beige, grayish, like blah, tan and black and white into more of those like moody, chocolatey, espresso color tones. Typography is also going to start to look a lot more fluid and sugary, which is kind of mimicking the sense of thickness, like juiciness coming through from the cherry and the chocolate. And that's also going to give us more of like a fudgy text. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Like the actual letter forms themselves are going to reflect the kind of viscosity and kind of the syrupy, smooth, rounded edges maybe like thick serifs, things like that, instead of this like light, bright, delicate, looks like you could snap it in half with your finger kind of fonts. I think those thin style, really editorial fonts are definitely on their way out. They don't scale well. And also they're super forgettable. It was something that was really trending with kind of like the blogger population as they, you know, wanted to transition away from their brush scripts of 2016, 17, 18. Then they went towards this like really tall, really big, really wide, thin, 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 thin serif. And I think those are going to be out of trend here pretty soon. So going more towards, again, the antithesis of that being kind of like this thick, syrupy, kind of sweet, cherry chocolate kind of look might have something to do with the fact that the Wonka movie is out this year. 
that could be influencing it. But I think people are just craving more richness to their visuals and less flat, less monotone, less beige, more depth, right? This is also going to come through a lot in photography and videography. So this kind of carries the baton of the flash photography and like the low res grainy edit that we saw of like 2022, 2023 of like that really candid, really filmic kind of look. And I think it's going to take that, keep going with it, especially with that silver, that chrome giving you that metallic pop. We love a little Kira Kira, a little sparkles. But I think what's going to be different this time is we're going to incorporate a lot more like backlit studio photography. So if you think of iconic ads from from the 90s for like lipstick or nail polish or hairspray, right? They kind of have that like sexiness, kind of like the Shania Twain, the best thing about being a woman, like, or man, I feel like a woman, right? That kind of look with the top hat and kind of the dark red, like I think that's really going to become more popular. And the brands that do this really well and that I've included on the mood board are like Christian Dior, Chanel, Tom Ford, Tom Ford Lost Cherry, Fragrance, of course. But the Cherry Chocolate Silver brand brings the brightness all the way down and the saturation all the way up. So there's still kind of that darker aesthetic, like more city style, definitely moody, sexy, nighttime kind of look, but kind of spiced up or brought light and fun with the addition of kind of like literally cherry and chocolate, kind of the sweetness to it. In fashion and culture, we've already seen that red stockings and tights are going to have a huge takeoff in 2024. And silver and chrome jewelry are quickly replacing like it girl, like teeny tiny, dainty little majority gold necklaces and chains. So I'd also guess to say that Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn is going to be a cherry chocolate silver kind of gal. And something about our mood board also with this cherry chocolate silver is that it's very like reputation era coded. So we know the Reputation Era is probably coming out in 2024. And I think that that dark black and sparkles look is going to end up evolving more of that deeper red color, that dark cherry red. And I'm not talking like maraschino cherries. I'm talking like Luxardo cherries, cocktail cherries, like the dark, sweet, very syrupy cherry kind of aesthetic, I think is going to be where Taylor Swift takes Reputation and Taylor's version. There's a few brands that do this kind of look really well already. One of them, she's been on the podcast before, Natalie McMillan has this fragrance called What Happens in Vegas. And she sent some perfumes to us for our team retreat. And man, when I tell you this does not smell like anything you've ever smelled before, it's like you spray it and you're like, whoa, like it has that boozy, fruity sweetness, but it also morphs a lot. It's a really, really interesting fragrance. And I think that that's the smell that I thought of when I was pulling together this mood board. Another brand that does this really well is Summer Fridays. I mean, they just literally can do no wrong in my book. And they launched their Midnight Retinol night cream. And they had a whole like midnight theme, but the midnight theme was all dark chocolate brown. So really that campaign, fabulous. Also Schutz with their cherry and silver pumps or their chocolate brown croc boots. Like they are getting it, the shoe company Schutz. And then also Jacquemus. Jacquemus launched a whole cherry and silver theme campaign like literally this month. Road lip glosses also using cherries in a lot of their social ads and visuals on Instagram. Now, brands that I think should do this look soon are ones that maybe would come as a bit a surprise. So I was thinking of kind of like, what is this cherry chocolate kind of look? What does this remind me of? And the idea of Macy's, the department store stuck in my head. 
of like, man, I wish Macy's would do a total revamp and just absolutely come out swinging and just embody this like 90s nostalgia, embody this cherry chocolate silver kind of look and feel. And we already have the red star with Macy's. So it'd be so fun to bring kind of like that mall rat vibe back, bedazzled, bejeweled things. I think of like juicy tracksuit. This kind of look, I think would be so fun. And Macy's could really come out swinging with this as a campaign. Also, I'm very down for a Miley Cyrus x Lana Del Rey collab. I think that that's the music that I would associate most with this look. And they haven't been back together since the Charlie's Angels reboot. I think if they did a Gucci campaign, we know that Miley is an ambassador for Gucci. And then last but not least, Coca-Cola. They got rid of Cherry Coke in 2023. I didn't even hear about this. But I think they should bring it back with this cherry chocolate silver look. Even the can, silver and red, Diet Coke would be slay. Okay, trend number two is what I'm calling the bow-adorned ballerina. And this look is everywhere, especially during this last holiday season. You literally couldn't go on Instagram without seeing some kind of bow, or TikTok for that matter, with the coquette trend. It's really taken the world by storm, to say the least. And bows actually have a really complex kind of history within visual communications. So traditionally, a symbol of femininity and grace, it can be seen in tons of fashion decades throughout history, prominently featured mostly in like Victorian era with bows symbolizing luxury and refinement. Also like Rococo, like if you think French Marie Antoinette, like uh, Versailles off with their heads kind of look with all the bows all over it. That's kind of what we're talking about. And then it's not till the mid 20th century that bows were really reimagined to be more subdued, often as like accents on collars or waistlines or hair accessories, kind of that schoolgirl hair bow look. The return of bows in 2024 continues a little bit of the Barbie legacy that we started in 2023. Barbie being one of the top grossing movies of all time with a female director and the Barbie core Barbenheimer look, I think kind of is tipping into this bow ballerina look in 2024. I think this also works because it allows women to embrace and celebrate their femininity, not as an antithesis of masculinity, but being great on its own, right? The bows in 2024 are what the hot pink power suit was to 2017. I think it's just kind of this reclaiming of femininity and reclaiming of female voices in a space that women are meant to or often like looked down upon. And instead, it's like, no, we're going to reclaim this and kind of take it for our own and put new meaning to it. And I think that's really beautiful. In 2024, Ballerina Corps is definitely poised to make a significant comeback, filling a need and craving for like that fluidity and grace and elegance, but also intoxicatingly silly, like so silly. If you follow the coquette trend on TikTok, it's basically playing up this word coquette, which literally translates to deal with something playfully rather than seriously, tying bows on your Chipotle order, and then, you know, captioning it, this is me, even if you care, I'm messing it up. This is me if you care. That's what it is. And then adding the bow emojis, you know. So I think also with the Mean Girls movie set to come out in 2024, I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of the plastics like absolutely repping this pink ballerina bow kind of look, especially if you think of kind of those late 90s, early 2000s, like little camisole tops with the teeny tiny rosebuds and bows on them. I feel like we haven't seen that in a long time. I think lace is going to make a huge comeback. 
But as far as branding and design goes, I think you'll see a lot of this bow adorned ballerina look with more of a classical cursive style font. So it's going to be more of the traditional like opera house ballet look for the actual fonts. And that's going to help kind of bolster this look instead of what we're used to in 2023, which is like a really hand-drawn, really sketchy, really kind of uh, loose kind of typography. I think it's going to get a lot more regal and refined and kind of just high-end to fit this aesthetic. I think also monograms, we already know that monograms are hugely popular, but like double letter monograms, interlocking monograms, it's kind of also representing the 2024 version of this old money aesthetic. I think that the country club look is out. I think we're over it. I think that this ballerina look is in. So like ballerina, opera, theater, music, orchestra, like that's going to be this new aesthetic. And this works out perfectly timing-wise with the fact that the Olympics are happening in Paris in 2024. So be ready to see your entire aesthetic informed by French culture. And I think the ballerina French look with the tulle and the lace and the satin and the bronze and pearl, like that's all in the mix in this instance. The photography and videography will also follow this kind of look where the soft focus, it's hazy, it's monochromatic, it's billowing clouds of fabrics and huge poofy sleeves that also could take a turn for more of a grungy look when you start to back in more of the toughened up like harsh flash, black accents, leather, unnatural posing, maybe things that have a little bit more of a sharpness to them, like Miu Miu does this really well, just to give a little bit of contrast to things being too, too sweet. So don't be surprised to kind of see that pink and black combo, although it's not going to be the pink and black of like the Avril Lavigne days. It's going to be the ballerina, think more like black swan than Avril Lavigne. That makes sense. In fashion and culture, obviously, we're going to see this everywhere. So ballet itself, especially with its fantastical settings and costumes, usually offers some form of escapism. I think there's something really intriguing about the visuals that are associated with ballet because it kind of pulls you in and pulls you out of your day-to-day. This also piggybacks on the Met Gala theme for 2024, which is Sleeping Beauty Reawakening Fashion. So those soft, dreamscape super hyper-feminine, bows and pearls and diamonds and ballet attitude is going to be really important kind of into that summer season with Met Gala, Olympics, etc. Making sense? There's a few brands that do this really well already. Christian Suriano's Spring Summer 2024 collection had a lot of these notes as well as Selkie and Love Shack Fancy. There's a few creators I've also linked in the blog post. That's mkwcreative.co slash blog. You want to look for the 2024 design trends article. But I think there's some brands that could absolutely take this theme and run for the hills. The first being Van Cleef. I think in 2023, we saw a huge rebrand of Swarovski to be way more bold, way more pushing the boundary, way more modern and young. And Van Cleef has like yet to catch up. And Van Cleef definitely represents more of that old money look. But their quatrefoil shape and the very French influence of their designs, I think, lend itself to wanting to be hyper feminine. And that they could take this as a theme and absolutely go buck wild. Also, be prepared that Ariana Grande takes over this aesthetic in anticipation for her role as Glinda the Good Witch in the movie adaptation of Wicked, which isn't set to come out till November 2024. But I think in all of her press and promo for Wicked, she's going to definitely have that Glinda the Good Witch, like very pink, very sparkly, very feminine aesthetic. Just like Margot Robbie had her trajectory 
promoting Barbie movie, we'll see Ariana Grande, I think, take off in more of that ballerina princessy look with Wicked. Get it? Got it? Good? Cool. The third trend that I'm going to call for 2024, and I need you guys to stick with me on this one because it is not as obvious. It's neon fauvism and sheer surrealism. So if you're not an art history person, I'm going to try to put this into terms that's going to make the most sense because fauvism is a very particular offshoot of impressionism. It has roots in France and kind of like being part of more of the experimental artists space. But really what I want you to think of with this like neon fauvism is it's going to be 2024's retort to the 2023 obsession with Aperol Spritz. So if Aperol Spritz and the Amalfi Coast are linked, the same should be like chartreuse and absinthe with like Copenhagen and France on an acid trip is what I want you to picture. So this is what I'm kind of calling neon fauvism. It's different, but not dissimilar to a lot of the Gen Z color palettes, which were more into that citrine green, lime green, lavender purple, silver, blush pink, sky blue. So we're kind of taking that, but then kind of making it weirder by adding a little bit of that French-Danish fashion house or art museum look to it. So Favism was early 20th century art movement where vivid color reigned supreme, spearheaded by visionaries like Henri Matisse and André Durand. Favism really broke free of realism's reign and took a more emotional or surreal approach to the ordinary. So it's taking what's normal and making it weird and making it kind of punk rock in that way of kind of pushing envelopes. If you notice Taylor Swift, her like artist of the year, artwork on Spotify. It's not Favism, but I'm getting there. Inspired by Hieronymus Bosch, Garden of Earthly Delights. That kind of weirdness, the kind of bizarre collage quality of that, that is neon Favism. That's what I'm going towards, right? It's like, even though that's a painting inspired by like the late Renaissance, it picks up on a lot of the same themes here. So a lot of their canvases were a riot of color, unapologetically loud and emotionally charged, making Favism a brief but really, really impactful trajectory of modern art. It's really loose in its presentation. There's a lot of obvious brushwork and unexpected colors. And I think that in 2024, we're going to see a modern reinterpretation of that that blends the foundational ethos of bold color, like what we saw this last summer, which was like a lot of reds and yellows and greens and blues that were still very tied to the place, like that very Amalfi Coast aesthetic. And instead, it's going to be kind of more twisted, sometimes like a little more garish, a little bit more pushing the boundaries. Like the scene that kept coming to mind is when there's like the little green fairy in the Moulin Rouge, the movie musical, like that energy, right? Kind of a little bit chaotic, but fun and silly and over the top, very emotive, very immersive. And I think AR and VR are only going to help with that. Additionally, because we have AI now, you can run all kinds of crazy colors in your brand. Whereas beforehand, if you wanted to do these like crazy highlighter colors and really extreme looks, like you were pretty limited to what was in the Pantone palette. And then you'd have to get like a Pantone neon palette separate from the original palette just to be able to pull off some of these neon colors. So I think because AI is going to allow us to bridge that gap and you could create a studio set for your econ product that was neon yellow or bright purple or have that iridescent quality like the back of a beetle that kind of look is going to be really fun in the new year and i think it gives you again a chance to push boundaries and just bring something different to the table i think we'll see this a lot in branding and design 
with more of like a painterly approach to brand work. So those loose kind of sketches that were really popular, that hand-drawn menu style that was popular in 2023, I think is just going to evolve into more of like a brushwork quality. And this will look best with products and services that aren't afraid to get like weird or unconventional. So loosey-goosey fonts, things that are imperfect, stuff that doesn't like feel so measured or so perfect or, or perfectly aligned, more sheer shape-shifting textures. So tool, like huge sleeves of tool, chiffon, gauzy linens, layers to your photography, right? So uh, pop a color to bring emphasis to the emotions that you want to feel. But I think a lot of the photography is going to be hazy, blurry. It's going to feel very dreamscapey. But I want to note that this is not nighttime neon. This is daytime neon. And there's a big difference. Nighttime neon is more towards Blade Runner, Pulp Fiction, like grunge versus daytime neon is a lot more whimsical and fun and out there in a playful way. So definitely unconventional color combinations, textures, and material going to come through in a lot of that photo and video. In fashion and culture, Fauvism definitely has a dramatic flair, right? So like Fauvist-inspired fashion can be statement-making with vivid colors and sculptural designs that stand out on their own. Think of your outfit as like an art piece in a museum. That's kind of where I think fashion and culture is going to go with this theme specifically. And this might be more like asymmetrical lines, unconventional garment construction, and bordering on surrealism. So think like Salvador Dali. I think we're seeing a lot of brands right now with like printing the undergarments on the exterior. So you might have like a shirt with a bra printed on it, or a skirt with underwear on it, or just things that are a little bit off kilter. I think that's part of the fun of this look. So brands that do this really well already are definitely Scaparelli. If you go look up Hunter Schaefer's dress for the 2023 Hunger Games premiere, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like it was almost like a ceramic patchwork of different brush strokes. Also, I've been loving the glassworks and homewares by Completed Works. I found them on Instagram and their stuff is amazing. They make this crazy, incredible neon glassware that's just so eye-catching. Ghani, always so good at this. The artist, Teal Duncan. And then there's a few illustrators that I've been following on Instagram that do this look really well. One of them is the Intuitive Creative. And then you've got to follow JW underscore Horner's mirrored floral photography. So good. So interesting. Such a refreshing take at florals that I think fits this theme really, really well. Brands that I think should do this kind of neon fauvism look soon are first and foremost, Poppy. Like Poppy Sodas is already mostly there with their bold color palette usage and their whimsy and fun. But I think that they could really lean into like the surrealism aspect more and create things that are even more punchy and kind of catch your attention in that like Instagram eye candy kind of way. Also in the food category, I think Altoids should bring back their citrus sours. If you're a millennial and you remember these, they were like little candies that almost came like mints. And they were so sour, it's literally making my mouth water as I'm talking about it. Because it could just be such a fun, quirky way of doing a different kind of flavor, right? I think that cannabis and psilocybin brands are going to have a field day with this theme, mostly because it's trippy color combos and like more painterly aesthetics. And then lastly, if green chartreuse, which is an herbal liqueur, could get the same PR as Aperol, they'd be in a great shape. I think that there more cocktails with more nuanced or complicated liqueurs are going to become more popular because I think they're also really easy to replicate in kind of like the mocktail scene. So when you have a really herbaceous, really green cocktail, first of all, the color is going to catch your attention right away. 
But I think that that kind of flavor profile matches this trend and also creates a lot of space for kind of like unconventional cocktail culture, which a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are loving. Okay, fourth, and certainly not last, we have probably one of my favorite categories, which I'm calling foodie-torial. So foodie-torial is basically permission to play with your food. I think 2023 had its fair share of food-induced themes from like butterboards, flavored water, everyone being obsessed with cottage cheese, and then girl dinner, which like inspired my Halloween costume, of course. But in 2024, I think you're going to see food in a lot more of a high fashion, avant-garde kind of context. So following the footsteps of Jacquemus and Loewe, you can read all kinds of articles on this, especially coming from Vogue and CNN, Business Insider, food as a status symbol, culinary teams behind luxury expensive dinners. But integrating food, fashion, fragrance, and homewares is going to become a lot more mainstream as we talk about the art of multi-sensory marketing. So it's no longer what does your brand look like? Or what does your brand sound like? But as we know with video, there's so much more importance to like the actual texture and immersivity, immersion of your brand. But thinking how you take that one step further is like, what does your brand taste like? What is the actual like mouth feel of your company? And just stick with me here because it is going to make sense. Our cultural obsession with food is obviously not new. Renaissance and Dutch masters were painting all kinds of food, still life, landscapes, or tableaus for since the beginning of time. But it's not till the really like the 20th century that we see a boom in advertising and print media where food photography specifically became really important in a cultural kind of commercial significance. The gourmet food scene doesn't really take off until the 70s and 80s, which lead to a sophisticated approach to food photography that emphasized a lot of elegance and opulence. But this is also when you start to see like that late 60s, early 70s, where everything is called a salad, but it's just jello. Like it's kind of that weird recipe from your family recipe book that's like, did people really eat this? And I think in today's digital and social media era, food photography is becoming more of that, right? It's becoming more of that unpredictable, avant garde, out of the box. Like it's not so much just about taking a picture of your dinner that looks good. It's like how weird and crazy can it look? Kind of a new iteration of like avocado toast culture, right? Or latte art. But now it's like every single item has the potential to be art. In 2024, the avant-garde depiction of food as high art is likely to transcend a lot of those traditional boundaries, blending a lot of that culinary mastery with a lot of innovative artistic expression. As the lines between art, technology, and gastronomy start to blur, we can see food presented in ways that challenge and expand our understanding of aesthetics and taste. So interactive and immersive experiences, again, think of like brand dinners, PR boxes where there's something edible in the box. Think of those like big chocolate smash boxes from Skims this last year. I think that the food is going to also mark a new era of just social commentary and artistic social commentary. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on where you stand on the issue, weight loss drugs like Ozempic and Manjaro have already changed the way that we look at food as a society. So we predict that in this new year, you're going to see a lot of food presented as art objects. So butter towers, butter pyramids, Gwyneth Paltrow had one at her holiday party this year. I think that a lot of the food is going to start to look like that capital scene in Hunger Games, right? Where we're going to eat it, but not so much of it. And it's really just meant to be like an extension of art and less of like actually food as sustenance. So how is this possible when there's such a feeling of economic downturn and high contrast to the cost of living, there's actually a correlation between these two things. So in times of economic hardship, 
there is a lust for luxury. And I'm not the first person to come up with this idea. This has long been studied and been talked about way more eloquently than I could put together. But there is an article called Fashion's Obsession with Bread is Recession Camp on Nylon, which is definitely worth the read. But it's talking about kind of like this Jean Valjean, French Revolution, Les Mis, obsession with bread and carbs as like being something that is luxurious. And I think that as food becomes more avant-garde, we're going to see more brands incorporate food and produce and gastronomy in their brand aesthetics because it's going to be that multi-sensory, all-encompassing approach to their brand existence. Where you'll see it. I think you're going to see a lot of this foodie-torial style in services that are unrelated to food. So the foodie editorial or foodie-torial craze, as I'm dubbing it across visual communications, it's going to be really paired with that bold sans serif, like poster-ready font, like really loud, bright colors, more primary color tones, so like red, yellow, greens, and blues. I think some of the patterns you'll see accompanied with this look are going to be that traditional restaurant tablecloth, like gingham and checker and like textures that you would see in kind of a dining setting, either nostalgic or modern, and kind of almost that like diner kind of look, right? So food starts to become less food and more sculpture, essentially. In photo and video, food as a prop obviously is the most straightforward way to interpret this trend. But I think a lot of photo and video style is going to focus on both naturally lit UGC and highly produced studio set. So I think the crazy looking food in like a dimly lit kitchen, like these crazy ridiculous cakes or jello sculptures or anything like that, is going to be still popular because it kind of is a contrast of the casualness of the setting with the absurdity of the food. But also will the studio setting will be just as important because the studio setting is going to really play up the excessiveness of using food to sell things. Like what happens to the zucchini or the eggplant that has the Loewe logo carved into it at the end of the shoot? Like do people take it home and cook it and eat it? These are the questions that I want to know, right? Brands that do this well. There's a lot of food fashion hybrid brands like Lisa Says God, which made the dress that I wore as my girl dinner costume. Panache, Brooklyn is another good one to follow. There's also a good amount of food artists on social media, like at This Is Mold, at BadTaste.biz, Jacquemus, Lueve, obviously doing a great job at this. The Scaparelli lobster dress is a great example of this. And Oscar de la Renta's creative director, Laura Kim's Instagram feed is almost half dedicated to food, more food than fashion. My ultimate brand crush that's been doing the foodie-torial look since the beginning of time is the Flamingo Estate team. Like, they crush. So if you haven't followed Flamingo Estate, you should. They are definitely a game for this kind of trend. I think brands that you'll see do this soon will be more of a diversion from fashion and into other areas of kind of that self-care crossover. So imagine, like, Dry Bar or Ilya or Rare Beauty does a whole campaign that had, like, juicy fruits and vegetables, like kind of that farm stand scene. I think also interior design brands could stand to use this approach in their brand visuals to create like quirky renditions of lighting chairs, setups, kind of like furniture installations. I think this is a little bit of a callback to the 90s, like theme kitchen, like the Tuscan theme kitchen. I'm not saying we go like full trompe l'oeil or like full olive jars full of olives and oil, olive oil with like stuffed peppers and everything. But there might be some way to play with 
food-shaped items in a kitchen setting or in an interior design setting. Maybe it's more of the wallpapers or the backsplash borders, but there's incorporating more food items into the actual decor, I think is going to be popular. Last but not least, I'm going to leave you with just some passing thoughts. There were a lot of trends that didn't make it onto this board that I'm going to continue to collect in the Pinterest board that I started this whole endeavor with. So if you want to check that out, that's linked for you in the blog. But I think that your takeaways here are this. One thing that you should do and one thing that you should not do. So the thing you should do is you should double down on your brand adjectives that are going to drive your aesthetic. I think you really need to know in the new year, like where does your brand stand on these spectrums, on these gradients of descriptors? And how does that then inform which trends you participate in and which ones you don't? So are you nostalgic and traditional or are you modern and avant-garde? Are you sweet, sultry, quirky, unconventional? These descriptors are really going to build your home base so that when you take a risk, you can always come back to the home base and it's not going to feel so far off of what you have existing. Don't be afraid to push the envelope. I think this is the thing that brands also fall victim to is that they get so comfortable in their own look or aesthetic that they get too scared to create art. To create something in their marketing, with whether that's with food or color or form or texture or messaging, I think 2024, you can absolutely embrace the like frenzied creative and use tools like AI to kind of push the boundaries and materialize. What does this look like in your mind's eye? Like, what does your brain see this thing as? Because now there's a lot less of a barrier to entry between what you can imagine and what you can create in visuals to then share with your audience. So don't be afraid to push the envelope. Don't be afraid to make art. Do double down on your brand adjectives. If you made it up to the end of this episode or the end of the blog post, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. This has been an absolute project to pull together, but a worthy one. And I'm really looking forward to recapping this at the end of 2024 and seeing if we were right. If you love this episode, please share it to your stories, share it on your social media, share it with a friend, leave a review. I'd love to know what you think. And I'd love to work with you in 2024. So if any of these themes that we've come up with or presented to you in this episode really ring true for you and where you'd like to take your brand, please, please, please reach out. My DMs are always open and you can submit your project on mkwcreative.co slash contact. See you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.